over the summer, we talked through the book of Psalms. We cover, you know, not the whole book of Psalms, but we looked through the book of Psalms in the Old Testament, a different psalm each week, and that was our summer series. And I, there was one that we had not yet covered and that I really wanted to, and I thought, well, let's wrap up the book of, or the, our series on Psalms this week, and then next Sunday we'll start a new teaching sermon series. But today we're going to be in Psalm 139. As we wrap up our series on the Psalms, so if you have a Bible or you want to use one of the black hardcover Bibles um, in the pew that you're sitting in, we're going to be in Psalm 139, and we'll read through most of that in just a minute. Um, but as we do, as we start that message today, um, I had uh, we I had an experience. I guess a couple weeks ago, we were watching a movie, and uh, and there was a, a minor character in the movie, and Christine and I were like, well, who? that person looks familiar. And then some of the kids are like, yeah, who is that? Where have we seen that? What movie have we seen that person in before? And so we were trying to, was it this movie? No, it wasn't this movie. So what do we do this day and age when that happens? We go to the Google machine, right? And we look up the cast of that movie and find out what other movies they were in. And oh, that's right. It took about four minutes. And I remember thinking, do you remember the days before Google when this, something like that would come up? It would be Either we'd have to just resign ourselves to say, we're never going to know. Or months down the road, we'll watch a movie and be like, that's where it was. You know, we would have that unknown bit of information in our head, like, where did I see that? And for whatever reason, kids, you have no idea what this was like, but for your parents, we had times where we didn't know stuff. Like, we had information where we're like, I don't know. And my set of encyclopedias doesn't have this because they were written in the early 70s. And so we're just going to have to go on with life not knowing this bit of pop culture information. But now, of course, we have the Google machine and it, sh it, it shows us all the answers. And so I was thinking about that, thinking about life before Google. And now every question we go to Google for and uh, whether or not it's an accurate answer, maybe about 50% of the time. Um, it's not the best place for medical advice, just so you know if you're looking for that. Although there's plenty of it doled out on, on Google. Um, but I was thinking about that, you know, we, we go to there with every, every question we have. And so that got me thinking this week, I wonder what the most common question is that's asked on Google. And according to one website, again, if it's accurate information, they said the number one question last year, and this was, weird to me is, what's my IP address? Which then meant, led me to think, well, the second question probably is, what is an IP address? Because I, I don't know, what are you talking about? But then I started going down, and they said the number one why question is, why is the sky blue? Last year, that was the number one Googled why question. I'm like, I don't know. I'll look, up, look it up in the encyclopedia. Why is there a leap year is one question. And that got me thinking, yeah, that is interesting. I'm sure it has something to do with planets. But I, I've often thought the leap year is kind of a scam because it's one extra day that you're going to work that you're not getting paid for. You're not getting paid an extra one 365th of your paycheck. So it's, it's free labor. So we should do something about that. Um, if you, you know, uh, one of them was, where's my refund, which is pretty funny. And then there's all the, how do I, how do I do this? If you've ever tried to fix a car yourself, you look it up on Google. How do I replace the radiator on a 99 Honda Accord? And then you look at the steps and you think, that's something I could maybe do myself, or no, I should let the professionals do that. My mother, um, my parents are 74 years old. They're in that 
weird generational age where really the internet for them and most of their friends is just sharing news articles on Facebook. That's all they do with the internet. That's pretty much it. But she sees me for some weird reason, my mother, and she's a pretty smart lady, but she sees me as the answer for everything technical. Every video, computer, cell phone, anything technical, she's like, well, Jeff knows the answer. Do you have, do your parents do that to you? Hey, kids, show me how to use this. Show me how to, what is Snapchat? Show me how to do Spotify. I still haven't figured out Spotify. I'm in that middle-aged area where there's certain things I know, certain things I don't, but you kids are leaving us behind. But I told my mom a couple years ago, I said, Mom, rather than waiting for when you come to visit Minnesota once or twice a summer, and then they come with their list of technical questions, and they've been living in the dark ages. They're like, well, let's not figure out how to get our pictures off the, off the digital camera until we talk to Jeff. And, the, and that's their thing. And they come with their list. And I said, Mom, why don't you Google it? This was a couple years ago. And she said, what? I said, Google it. And I said, well, how would Google know how to get? And I said, just, just ask Google. Well, how do I ask it? And I said, okay, pretend that Google is me. And how would you ask me? And instead, type it in and just see what happens. And she said, it'll do that? And I said, it might. You know, let's... Let's try it out. So I've been trying to do that. All of these things on Google, it's amazing um, what you can do. You can type in a question. You can hope that it's the right answer. If you get the wrong answer, it's not a huge deal. Why is the sky blue? There might be different theories on that. Uh, where's my refund? You know, eventually it'll show up, hopefully. Um, how do I do this? You may have the wrong answer to those, and that's not a huge deal. But here's what some other Googled questions were, some other very popular ones. And here's what Psalm 39, this is what it has to do with Psalm 39, 139 today. Because these questions you want to get right. And these ones, people go to Google and there was all sorts of answers that were not right. Questions like, who am I? Where did I come from? Why am I here? Is there a God? What's the purpose to life? Questions like this, do I matter? Do I have value? And Google's not going to give you the, the good answer on that one. Psalm 39, why I love this one and why I wanted to use this one to wrap up this series, is these are the, the important questions. These are the ones that we got to get right. We got to get right. It doesn't matter if you know how to get pictures off your digital camera, but when it comes to am I valuable, do I matter, what is my worth, is there a God, these are the ones that we got to get right. And when we get off on those answers the meaning of life, why you're here. If you think that you're here just because of random chance, if you think that you don't really matter or that your value and worth comes from something that society tells you, as soon as you start getting those answers wrong, man, life starts going sideways, doesn't it? You start making decisions. You're like, just to, just to get value and worth or just to find some purpose or meaning in life, if you're off on that, Man, it sets everything off in the wrong direction. You start going sideways in your decisions. Think of all the poor decisions that are made in our world today because somebody's searching for meaning or acceptance or approval or value or purpose somewhere else other than the Word of God and the truths of God's Scripture. Psalm 139 is a foundation for everything we do in life. You want to have a foundation for your life Psalm 139 starts with all the good stuff, all the good stuff that you build your life on to know that you were created by God 
and to know what he thinks of you. That's such a huge thing, to know how valuable we are. So we're going to read Psalm 139, verse 1 through 18. And as we read this, as I read through this, and if you want to follow along, it'll be up on the screen, or if you have a Bible in front of you, I encourage you to just highlight this one and read this psalm this week as you face the day, as, the, as you face all the things you're going through. All these questions you have, and see how Psalm 139 answers these questions. So I want to read that. Psalm 139, verse 1 through 18 says this, and I'm in the NIV translation. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it, you Lord know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light will become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. That is Psalm 139, 1 through 18. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that the truth in this word of God today would resonate in every heart, that we would know foundationally that we are loved and made by you, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that we have value and worth, and it does not come from anywhere the world tells us it comes from. It comes from you, that we have been made and created by you. So help us learn and grow today as we open your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Psalm 139, the first thing I wanted to point out was this, is that the language is very individual. This is very individual language use. This is a personal thing. God, you search me. You know me. You know my days. You know my thoughts. You stitched me together. It's very individual language. We often like to put God in very general terms, don't we? God, you created everything. God, you're powerful. You're strong and mighty. You are over all things. You know everything. I think we find it easier to put the big, powerful, all-knowing terms with God. And sometimes it doesn't really affect us when we think about the individual nature of that, of God's power, of God's love. You have searched me. You know me, my days, my thoughts. So we start out with this idea that I want all of us to get today, that God knows everything about you. God knows everything about you. Every action, every thought, 
Now, the response from us sometimes might be, uh-oh, you know, right? Oh, man, really? You know that about me? You, oh, man, you saw that? <laughs> you heard that word that I said or that word, the way that I talked to that person, the way I treated that person? Even worse sometimes is, oh, man, you know that thought? You know those thoughts? You know everything about me? You saw that? You know that? But what we need to get is this. He knows everything about you individually, each of you. He knows everything about you. He is intricately involved in your life, your individual life, and he loves you, and he sees you as immensely valuable, as having such high worth and value. Why? Because of all your thoughts and because of how you spent your days? No, because he made you. You are his creation. He loves you and sees you as valuable. And I want this to help you to just feel comfortable being open and honest with God. As you grow in your faith, as you're walking through life, as you're spending time in worship or in prayer or reading the Word, times in prayer where you don't know what to pray for and you've prayed for the day and you've prayed for safety and you've prayed for your kids and now you're like, what do I pray for now? Be open and honest with God. Lay it all out. Because guess what? He already knows you're not keeping anything from him. Be open and honest with God. And this is a safe place to share your struggles, your pain, your hurts, your joys, your triumphs, your secrets, stuff that nobody knows, those thoughts that you have that you don't know what to do with, that anxiety that you're dealing with that you don't want to do that. Lay it all out to God. He already knows. He already knows, and he loves you. He is a safe place. In fact, this is the safest place for you. This is the safest relationship with you. Maybe you've experienced that um, in a human relationship. Have you ever noticed that when you find someone, a friend, a family member, a spouse, that you can be really fully honest with? You can trust them. You can be totally open with them. Doesn't that feel safe? Doesn't that feel like... Like in the words of Psalm, I love the word that we read in, in verse 5 where God says, I hem you in. David is saying, you hem me in. You, you bring me into a safe place. It is a safe place with you. You have kind of a wing of protection over me, before and behind me. Maybe you found that in a personal relationship. Doesn't that feel safe? How much more would that be with God? How much more with God who created you and loved you, loves you? Several months ago, um, I was going through a really difficult time. I was down. I was tired. I was discouraged. Um, it was affecting my sleep. I wasn't sleeping much. It was affecting my relationship with my family, with Christy, um, my work, everything. It was just, I was just going through a tough season. And, uh, and I finally opened up to Christy. We were out on a walk one day, and, and she said, how you doing? And you know there's times when your spouse says, how you doing, where it's more than, hey, how was your day? It's, how you doing? I can tell something's up. And uh, I finally opened up to Christy, and I just said, I'm not doing well. I'm not doing well. And we talked it out, and we had a great conversation, and I was able to just say, here's what I'm battling, and here's what I'm worried about, and I'm just not doing well, and I got to, I'm just so you know, I'm working on it. And, of course, any observant spouse would say, well, I, I know, I could tell something was up, right? But I can't tell you the difference that that made. First of all, because she's, 
you know, remarkable, she was able to be a safe place. She was encouraging. She was encouraging in all the inside feely emotional ways, and she was encouraging in all the practical ways as well. She did kind of the girl thing and the guy thing at the same time. Feely emotions and practical insight. It helped me just realize she's a safe place. And I can't tell you what a difference that made for us. For her to say I could tell something was wrong, but I didn't know what it was. I didn't know how to help you. It brought us closer. It helped her understand what was going on. It helped me feel like someone else was helping to carry this burden. And so I'm going to stop here for a moment and talk to the married couples you got to be a safe place. Be a safe place for your spouse. And maybe on the flip side, you are carrying something and you don't know if you can talk to your spouse. Man, married couples, be that safe place where you can be open and honest and encourage one another and help one another and listen to one another for what they're going through. Be open and find that safe place in one another. A church moment, a church like this, we have to be a safe place for people to come in and share what they're going through. Right? We can't be the church like, whoa, really? No. I, we, we don't want to hear anything about that. Right? No. We need to be a safe place. where pe- if, if, the, if someone who's hurting, who's weary, who's anxious, depressed, addicted, whatever it is, they're walking through life carrying this burden. If they can't come into a family like this, all of us, and have it be a safe place where we say, we got you. We, we have people who are going through that right now. Be open and honest with us. Be open and honest with God. This is a safe place in marriage, in church, in friendships. We need that. But that's just between people being open and honest. How much more is the God of the universe a safe place to be open and fully honest? And some of you have never thought that way about God. And I want to encourage you. He made you. He created you. He is a safe place. Bring things into the light. So many examples in Scripture of people knowing and keeping things in the dark, trying to hide things from God. Adam and Eve were that way. Cain was that way. King David, Abraham, all these things that they were trying to keep. And God's like, I already know. Bring it into the light. Some of you have stuff going on, and you're thinking, I don't want anyone to know. But God already knows. He knows where you've been. He knows where you're going. He is intricately involved in your life. He created you. He made you. He knows where you've been, and he knows where you're going to end up. And so a foundational thing is seeing God as a safe place, bringing things to the light. Bring things to the light. Don't carry things in the darkness. Bring it to the light. Bring it to God. Talk to him. Don't carry it alone. Don't keep it in the dark. The darkness is where it just festers and grows. Bring it to the light and find healing. And now the one other verse, two other verses I want to highlight as we are going to wrap up in a little bit because it's kickoff Sunday and we have all these high hopes for our Vikings and that's going to last at least for another hour and a half. (laughs) Verse 13 and 14. And here's where we're going to spend the next minutes of this sermon. And here's where this is... If there's one thing, I mean really that the Mount Rushmore of things I want you to know in church, this is on that. This is one of the top things. It's verse 13 and 14. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am, and I love these words, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. I praise you because I, you, are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. This is 
everything. This is your value and worth. All of it, your value and worth in those two verses, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That is the source of your value and worth. That's it. There, there's nothing you're going to do that's make you, make, going to make you valuable. No word that somebody could say to you that's going to cause your worth and value to go up. You are worthy and valuable because you are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. He knit you together. So all the answers to your questions of purpose and meaning, why are you here? That's in this verse, because God made you. He designed you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Fearfully made is not like fear, like nervous creator. You know, it's not God, you know, in his scientific, you know, laboratory, mixing ingredients together and making people, and then with you he got to... Oh, man, what if I mix this personality trait with this personality trait? What's going to happen? Everyone stand back. We don't know if this thing's going to blow. Like, look out, everybody. Maybe you have a, a, a kid in your house. You're like, I think that might have been what happened with my kid. That's not, you know, it's not a, a nervous creator mixing certain ingredients and seeing what happens. Maybe you've heard this in the, in, through the Scripture, the fear of the Lord, and you're like, well, do, am I supposed to be afraid of God? And when we talk about the fear of the Lord, we're not talking about being scared of God. We're talking about having reverence for God, um, seeing the importance of God, an awe or a value in God. Putting in, that's like the fear of the Lord. That same Hebrew word is the word that's translated to fearfully and wonderfully made. And I love that. So it's like God designed you with intention, saw this as important, saw this has great value. You are fearfully, like with reverence made. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And not, you know, God didn't make mankind, you know, the big terms. It's you, individually you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I want to talk about this because I think there's so much time in our world, and maybe in each of us, I know for sure in each of us in some way, spent in vain trying to achieve value and worth. Trying to achieve value and worth. If I can be a success, if I can be a good enough, whatever, athlete, employee, student, spouse, parent, kid, if my kids succeed enough, then I as a parent will have value. Or if you're a kid, you're saying, if I can do good enough, then my parents will see me as having value. All the ways we try in vain to get value and worth. If I'm approved of, if I'm popular, if I'm wealthy or respected or admired, if I'm beautiful, we think it and we feel it and we see it all over the world, all over the world, and we hear it from others that this is how you earn value and worth. That it has to be this thing. And I've listed a few of them. And it's a lie. You are valuable because you are created by a loving God. And it's nothing to do with what you do, achieve, or what you don't do, or don't achieve. So I want to encourage you to stop striving for worth. Because it's there. Stop believing the lie from the enemy that you don't have worth. Our enemy, the enemy of our souls, wants you to believe the lie so that you'll waste your days trying to earn, trying to achieve, strive to get worth and value when it is already there because the God of the universe has created you. So stop striving. You don't need to earn it. 
You don't need to prove it or fight for it or achieve it or get the grades or the diet or the promotion or the perfect family or the material things or the notoriety or the power or approval. And social media has nothing to do with it, okay? It has nothing to do with your worth and value. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, and that is your value. Amen? Amen? Are we there? That is your value. It is immense, it is immeasurable, and it is immovable because it is from God. So are you trying to earn value based on something else? Are you trying to do that? Are you trying to please someone to get value and worth? Are you trying to look a certain way or act a certain way? And I felt so strongly, I mean, I, I felt strongly that this message was for everyone, really, but for teenagers here today, people who try to convince you that your value and worth is from something else, it's not. Your value and worth is not from someone else. It's not from your parents' approval. It's not from your teacher's approval. It's not from anything that this world is going to bombard you wherever you look of here's how you get value, here's how you get worth. And it is because God made you and put you together and knit you together just the way you are. Just the way you are, and that is where your value comes from. Certainly, oh man, certainly as we get into the dating world and teenage girls, I'm going to talk to you here because we're a family and I'm going to talk to you like a father here for a second, okay? If you are around a boy or dating a boy or interested in a boy who tries to tell you that you need to do things or act a certain way or look a certain way for you to have value and worth, I want you to do two things. First of all, I want you to say to them, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, okay? Can you say that? I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And the second thing I want you to do is invite them to this church, okay? <laughs> because we would like to speak to those boys. And I'm just telling you, and you might be just starting middle school or you've been around for a while, there's going to be an endless parade of dummies, boys, who are trying to convince you that your value and worth is something in what you're going to do for them or text to them or look a certain way. And I'm just telling you, you tell them, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and you need to come to our church because there are all the other dads in here that we're going to talk to them. Now, Dennis isn't here today. I think he's home recovering from shoulder surgery. But when Lucy brought her boyfriend here for the first time, Dennis pulled Ryan aside. And do you remember what he said to Ryan? Can you say what, what Dennis said to your boyfriend the first time he showed up at church? He said, I've been to prison and I'm not afraid to go back. <laughs> if you missed that, Dennis pulled... Lucy's boyfriend aside and said, now you listen, I've been to prison and I'm not afraid to go back. So girls, you just have to know this is, this is an important thing. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. No boy is going to add value and you don't need to do anything for a boy to add value to your life, okay? Now boys, there's going to be times where you start to view girls and you start to look at them and you need to remember they are fearfully and wonderfully made by the Creator. This is for all the boys here. We have a problem in our world of boys viewing girls as objects or as a means to an end, and that is the source of endless amounts of evil and hurt in our world. And that brings us to the flip side of this. 
we look at our life and we say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and that adds value to my life. But then we have this flip side that gets a little more uncomfortable, because this applies to other people in our life as well. They are fearfully and wonderfully made in the eyes of our Creator. The people in the other car during rush hour, <laughs> driving super slow in that left lane, who don't zipper merge or who, sit, who stop at the beginning of a roundabout and just wait for no one else to be in sight anywhere to go. Those people are bad drivers. <laughs> but they are fearfully and wonderfully made. They are fearfully and wonderfully made. The people in the other car, your family members, your spouse is fearfully and wonderfully made. Their value is because God knit them together. Your kids are fearfully and wonderfully made. They don't need to succeed at something for them to have worth and value. It's because God knit them together. Your boss, your employees, your fellow students at school, the kid at school that seems to be on the outside, the kid at school with special needs, the kid at school that nobody talks to or makes fun of, they are fearfully and wonderfully made and they have value and worth. And when that Man, when that is at the core of who we are, man, God can do great things. But when that is forgotten, when we see people not as individuals fearfully and wonderfully made, but just as obstacles or commodities or objects, when that is forgotten, when the value in individuals is forgotten as, and they're viewed as unimportant, I've said it already, that is the source of evil and hurt in our world, Right? That's the source of endless amounts of hurt and pain and abuse and sin and crime because we've, we've forgotten that every individual is fearfully and wonderfully made. We need to see individual people. This is why we place such value on life, right? This is why we have a value on human life. Now, when I say that, a lot of people in here probably think abortion, and that's why we're against abortion because we have value on human life, and Psalm 139 that unborn baby is fearfully and wonderfully made, and absolutely, that is why I believe in the value of every life. But you know who else is fearfully and wonderfully made? Is that young girl who's pregnant who thinks she has no other options, or who is being pressured by her family members to get an abortion, or who is the victim of some sort of sexual assault. She is fearfully and wonderfully made as well. This applies to everybody This applies to our kids, and I think we would stress out way less about our kids if we just said they're valuable and worthy and God's created them and God's got them and God knows their days, where they've been and where they're going. He has their days numbered out. Well, I think as parents, we'd stress out about our kids a lot less if we just recognized they're fearfully and wonderfully made. God has uniquely designed them for what he's going to have them do. Your, your kids' teachers are fearfully and wonderfully made. Their coaches Republicans are fearfully and wonderfully made. Democrats are fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen. Ugh, that's, that hit. I don't know about that, Pastor. That, that video that my father-in-law shared on Facebook says otherwise. I was just joking about that. All the, pol all the political posts on Facebook. We got another year before it gets really out of hand. Um, God knows them, all of them is intricately involved in their lives, in your life, in your situations. God already knows. He's there. He's been there. You are hemmed in, behind and before. He has got you. 
He designed you. And I love that this psalm ends in verse 23 and 24. I'm going to read those verses together. Verse 23 and 24. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That word everlasting, unchanging, true. Lead me in the way everlasting. But what jumped out to me was anxious thoughts. All these anxious thoughts we have about who we are and what our purpose is and what value we have, just cast those to the Lord. Lord, search my heart. Is there any area of my life where I have forgotten my value and worth or the call that you have put on my life? Search my heart. Let me know if there are anxious thoughts because he already knows. Bring those to God. He already knows. He's intricately involved in your life. He is a safe place. Be open and honest with him. Stop hiding. Bring it to the light. Stop pretending and just be open and honest. Stop tearing others down because they are fearfully and wonderfully made. And stop tearing yourself down because you, individual you, are fearfully and wonderfully made. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that that this psalm, which was originally designed to just be a song of worship and praise, was written down so that we today can read this, because how desperately do we need this message in our world today? Individual lives knit together by you. Before the foundation of the earth, you had every life in this room and listening to this message. You had every life in mind. Their purpose, their days, their days are numbered by you. You know where we're going. You know the things that we're going through. You know the things that you're teaching us and developing in us. And so, Lord, I pray that that would ring true in our heart, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made by you. And that is the source, the only source of our value and worth. And it is immeasurable, our value and worth. So, God, for those today who are stuck in the trap of trying to please somebody else in order to earn value, I just pray that you would speak to their hearts. For difficult situations, God, in marriages or families, I pray that you would bring healing. Help the the anxious thoughts that we have about these relationships to be cast on you so that we could just recognize your life and love for everybody and that you would lead us in the way everlasting. Lord, help us to grow in this area in how we view ourselves and how we view others. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen.